0: Greetings everyone, this is Devon Carson with the Second Chance Leadership Podcast. I would like to thank you for tuning in today. I would like for everyone to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And remember, Leadership Nation, we take risks, we embrace failure, getting it wrong is okay. As long as you get your hands dirty, you learn and reflect. Lessons for the podcast. Good morning, Pastor Jordan. I wanna thank you very much for coming in and, and sharing your busy schedule with us here at the Second Chance Leadership Podcast. I truly appreciate you uh giving us a few minutes to learn about you, your ministry and also your leadership. Um so uh I know currently you are in Richmond, uh you started your own church, uh the movement church if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of things have been going good. Tell me, what have you been up to here lately?
1: Well, first, man, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, It's really good to be reconnected with you. I think a ton of you and and your family, and I'm just grateful to uh, have a chance to talk with you. Um, So, yeah, the church, man, is going going great. You know, uh, it's eight, nine years old, and um, I don't know that I would have ever thought we'd be where we are, you know, you you have vision and you think one thing and, and God does, you know, fulfill some of that, but he also takes you in different directions. It's been a wild ride and sitting here looking at a, an old school Baptist building that uh, we're about to take over. And I, you ne- I never would have thought that. Um,
0: but, but here we are. So, uh, it's, it's going, it's going well. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. There's, um, uh, I tell a lot of different people about you guys' story. Uh, You and Josh, I think about it, how you guys have packed up your whole families, your whole life, and condensed it to a a Honda Accord and just took off and moved because you felt called towards the ministry. And I think that's just phenomenal when it comes to the world of of leadership and and being that example, being that role model, and, and being willing to sell out or what you believe in. So uh, you've been a hero of mine, and I truly appreciate uh, just sitting back and, and watching you from afar. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Quick question for you. What is your favorite leadership quote?
1: Yeah, you know, it's something actually I came upon uh, recently, and it's real simple. It's four words, um, and it's my life for others. And for me, that sums up both, you know, the life of Christ, but also the life that he's calling me to as a Christian, but also as a, you know, as a distinct leader. Um, that that hit me between the eyes when I read that, and I, I immediately, when I read it, I said, um, or when I heard it, I said, that's, I'm holding on to that for however long I can, because that's something that... uh I need to hear over and over and over, my life for others.
0: Wow. That is so succinct but yet so deep in the same breath. Uh, When you think about uh, giving your life to others and, and being about something other than self, that's so different from what society teaches us and shows us on a daily basis. Uh, that's that's awesome how how do you live this out or how do you apply this quote to your life yeah well i think
1: there's something to be said for knowing who you are as a leader and moving forward with that but i feel like if it goes too far if it's excluding other people and what what i mean is is you know like i had to learn who i was as a leader and there was a time in my life that i said this is who i am as a leader you know Get on board or not, and there, there, there's something to be said for that. But if you turn around and, and you're not leading the people you're called to lead because you're trying to just live within your own comfort zone, your own preferences, then you're not you're not giving your life you you know for others. And so I think from a leader perspective, I've, I've been trying to lay down my preferences and style of leadership, and you know um, competencies of leadership, and trying to say not just what am I good at, but how can I turn around and serve, you know, serve others? How can I lay, how can my, how can I make my life for the sake of others? Um, and so from a leadership perspective, I've been trying to apply that by getting out of my comfort zone and getting out of my own little leader box and and just looking for ways to, to serve, um, to serve
0: others. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so when I when I think about that, I think about the challenge is when you have a society and they have that competing mindset, and it goes totally against that. Uh, that just seems like that could be a big challenge. So tell me, how did you overcome that challenge? What were some of the events that led up to this challenge, and, and how did you um, how did you how did you climb over it? Well, there, there are two things. There's the challenge of
1: of my own leadership inability and, you know, having to learn over the course of eight, nine years within the church world, you know, what it means to be a leader, who am I as a leader, and how do I uh, match that or bring that under this overarching kind of thought about my life, you know, for others. So that's that's kind of like a whole nother, um, you know, ball game that a lot of humility You know, and a lot of people that that had to speak into my life, accountability, you know, uh, all went into that. um, And I'm not over that, right? I'm in the middle of of what does it look like to make more of my life, you know, for others. Um, There's been a lot of other unique challenges uh, along the way. Um, I don't know if you want to get into, you know, know, some of those from more of like a startup
0: perspective
1: um and not just a pure, you know, uh leadership uh standpoint, but I, I think as I'm thinking about, you know, the big challenges so far, one of them, top one apart from my own leadership stuff is sustainability. Uh if you were to think about our church start as a as a business venture, um you know, there are some similarities and sustainability is huge. Because if you're not around you can't reach people, you know, if you're not around you can't you can't, you know, disciple people, if you're not around you can't help people. And so sustainability, getting to that point where we knew we were gonna be secure and we knew we had a future, we knew we you know, we knew this thing was gonna work. That was probably the largest, you know, uh biggest challenge um that, that we faced and um by God's grace have somewhat overcome that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think about um, kind of comparing it to my own experience when I went down and I opened up a brand-new school, and I think mm-hmm. about bringing a whole group of people together who have their own experiences of what school is, and then you kind of vision casting and you're trying to set the, not expectations, but you set the mission and you set the vision for uh the vision that God has given you, talk to me about that and and how that's uh, helped mold your leadership when it comes to bringing all these different groups of people who, who've gone through church. And we all have, one, a vision of what church should be, but we also have another vision or another perspective of what the perfect church should be. Mm. Uh, how How do you combine those two? Uh, to or how did you combine those two to uh, to kind of give you your success there in the Richmond area?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first thing is what you just said is uh, being aware that everybody that comes into your church, whether they know Christ or close to Him or far from Him, whether they grew up in church or not, they're coming in with some sort of an expectation. They're coming in with some sort of a pre-set in their mind about what's supposed to happen. And mm-hmm. what's it supposed to be like, and so I think just being aware of that and not being naive is really important and then um the more and more you cast vision, the more and more yada yada make sure your vision is 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 tethered to you know God's vision for his church uh, sure. that that way, when people argue and when people disagree, you can say i mean there are some personal aspects of the vision that are kind of unique to me. But I mean, when people, you know, argue about, hey, well, are you sure church ought to be like this? I don't have to say what's well, just because what I want. It's, hey, man, I can turn chapter and verse on you. You know, this is what God says, you know, his vision for his church. That's what we're trying to tether this thing to. So we all have these expectations and, and preconceived notions, but they have to come under the authority of the word which is what i'm trying to tether this vision to and so um i think you got to be real careful that your vision is not solely your vision i mean obviously there's some uniqueness and all that but make sure it's it's grounded in truth otherwise um man it is up for debate
0: yeah i think that is that is awesome um you know, you take it back to the the higher power. and You take it back to what the principles are that you're founded upon. I think that's that's phenomenal. Tell me, what was your light bulb moment, and what were the events that led up to this moment? Yeah, I, for me, man, this was a, a key moment in life. In our church. I don't remember what year
1: it was. I call it the Dark Ages when I <laughs> tell the story of our church because it was a time, man, when we were we were without a building. Um, we were kind of renting, uh, this, the basement of this church meeting on a Sunday night and it was a grind. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I was having to manufacture excitement just to kind of keep people (laughs) with you, you know, and it was like pulling teeth and, and I got so consumed with the numbers that when we had a, a larger number service, then man, life is good. And if we had a low service, man, life is horrible. This isn't gonna work. And, and it was this roller coaster, much more down than it was up because our numbers were horrible at that point. And um, I remember uh, there was a moment where two things happened. A buddy of mine had a conversation with me, a mutual friend of ours actually, and. Uh, he just asked some simple questions. He says, what are you trying to do here, man? Are you trying to plant this big church, or are you trying to make it about what Jesus said it's supposed to be about, which is about making disciples, you know, multiplying your influence in the life of others to help them follow Christ more? And uh, I resisted that question, but it, it really rang <laughs> true that, no, man, this has got to be about making disciples. So there was this aha moment that I had to, like, I had made this thing about me. I had made it about numbers and about, you know, growing my own big church. And and I had not made it about making disciples of Jesus. And so God called me on it. And unfortunately, my church paid the penalty for it. You know, it was a dark season where there was just not much going on. is because I was wrestling in my own heart with this kind of, you know, idol of, of, of numbers and status and all that. And so I remember just getting it back to, you know, uh, discipleship and making it all about letting that be the filter that everything kind of began. We began to see, make decisions based on does this help us make more disciples or not. Let's don't care about the numbers. Let's don't care about any of that. Let's just make it about, you know, who are we pouring our lives into and helping come alongside of uh, to make them more like Christ. And that that was just kind of this big light bulb, you know, moment for for me. I'll never forget it. I mean, it's it,
0: it was transformative. Yeah, it it's it's awesome when you have that moment when you step outside of self and you and you go back to your vision or you go back to your mission and and you you solely rest on okay. How do we keep the main thing the main thing? And I I think that's phenomenal uh of Yeah, because I think in, in any
1: in any venture, you it's so easy to make it about something else. And not right. and, and, and to lose right. lose sight of what you are supposed to be you know, the simplicity of of being, you know, um focused. There's so yeah. much to be said for that, I think. Yeah, I agree one
0: hundred percent. One hundred percent. What is uh one thing that really is exciting to you about your current leadership?
1: Um man, when I think about the future and I think about the word more, more of so much in the fullness of that sense. That's what really excites me, man. We're entering into a new phase where more, more people, uh, um, being impacted by the ministry is, is there more influence for the sake of of God's glory? Is there more, you know, wanting to plant more churches in and around our city Um, wanting to reach into our city more. Uh, Just that word more gets me, you know, it's just kind of where we're at. We're in a really big transitionary uh, uh, season in the life of our church that has the potential for more, and that's kind of what I'm jazzed about currently.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Anytime that you have an opportunity to increase, kind of double Mm. back uh I think that's phenomenal, and that speaks directly towards your um uh, towards your leadership uh, yeah yeah, yeah, so are you ready for the speed round? Let's do it, all right. What was holding you back from being a world class leader
1: status quo um, uh. especially when status quo is good and comfortable,
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. One of those memory phones, huh? That's what. Right. I, right. Right. Yeah. What was the best leadership advice that you've ever received?
1: A, a leader isn't all things to all people. Um, that's Jesus and I'm not him and it's wow. a good thing. And so when, you know, an example is when I found out through some leadership training that I received that I was, you know, an introvert, I was highly motivated by direction and vision and that meant I wasn't very relational. I thought that was a bad thing because I thought I needed to be all things to all people. But when I was um, released to just be the leader that God called me to be, um, one that wasn't all things to all people, but one was who I was created in his image to be used for his glory. When I, when I did that, man, uh, I wanted to exploit all that God had created me for and not just kind of you know, be, be everything
0: to everybody. Wow, that's deep, Cliff. That is that is really deep, and I think a lot of these do get caught up in trying to do everything or be everything for everybody, and then by the end of the day, you're spent. Not even the end of the day when you when you when you are constantly juggling all, juggling all these different balls in the air. One, it doesn't allow your folks who you've put in charge to be the leaders that they're designed to be, mm-hmm. but it also pulls you in so many different directions that you're only given a tenth of 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 your 100% or what you possibly could give. So I think that is, that is spot on. Talk to me about an Internet resource that you like to use like Dropbox uh, that you would love to share with Leadership Nation. Uh,
1: this is nothing um
0: – That I don't think. I mean, only
1: thing I use internet-wise is Google Drive when we create, you know, documents and vision that other people can get. Much more collaborative. That's I get kind of old school, man, and and that's about as high tech as I get on some things.
0: Hey, when it works, it works. That's right. What leadership book would you recommend to Second Chance Nation? I I have an
1: entire um, shelf full. Of leadership books. And there is one that stands in the middle that is, for me, the premier of the, of the premier. It is the most, um, how do I say, the the non-sexiest book out there. I mean, it's it's nothing flashy about it, but it's a book called Leading Across Cultures. And Ooh. it's written by this guy named James E. Um, uh, Pluteman, and okay. it, it was written interestingly enough for like missionaries who are going overseas into other cultures and helping them be leaders in those cultures but man what i what i took away from this book is every time i walk out of my front door and if i turn to the right i've got one neighbor over there if i turn to the left i've got a neighbor over there i'm crossing cultures every time i step out of my front door and wow. so, to, to, so what this book did for me is it said, who who are the people that you're interacting with? What are their um, What are their core values? What are what 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 shapes them? What are what's their driving story? And how do you navigate and lead cross culturally? Whether it's like a super far culture or a near culture, everybody's different than you. Your worldview is different. You know, and all that and so like this book just helped prepare me to to lead in a variety of settings cross culturally, um, and not think of cross culture as just overseas but next door and down the street. And in our own city, we have multiple different types of people in our city with multiple different types of value systems and, and, yeah. and worldviews. And if you're gonna engage with them, you've gotta you gotta kinda do it on their on their level, they're they're on their terms. Right. And right. um this book just, just helped me. I mean it's it's awesome. I recommend it to everybody.
0: Awesome. I think I'll have to check that one out myself. That sounds really good. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world identical to Earth but knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of but all you do have is your laptop $500 what would you do for the next 7 days uh
1: if you'll forgive me for um doing or giving what we call a uh, a Sunday school answer <laughs> I'll, I'll answer it, I'll answer it this way I would I like take something. that
0: five,
1: I would take that 500 bucks and that laptop and I would do whatever I could do to prepare, invite and plan the biggest party I could ever imagine at the end of that week. And I would invite as many people who would come and we would have a party and I would share with them, you know, about this uh, vision to live in community on mission for God's glory. In other words, I would start another church in a heartbeat. Awesome. Awesome.
0: My brother, it has been so great to reconnect with you. I appreciate all these value bombs that you have shared with me and with Leadership Nation today. Uh, I know that your future is so bright and that there's nothing but greatness in store for you and the Movement Church. Uh, thank you for taking the time out and uh, I appreciate you and your service to all. Man, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. All right. Take care. Greetings, Leadership Nation. This is your boy, Devon Carson. I want to say thank you very much for tuning in to this latest episode. We hope that you all enjoyed it. I do have a small ask in favor of you. Please make sure you subscribe to Second Chance Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that every Thursday you get the latest and the greatest episode. Also, we ask that you would leave a comment and Also leave a rating of five stars. Once again, your comment is invaluable to us. We want to make sure that we continue to improve the show and make sure that we are meeting all of your leadership needs. Until next time, Leadership Nation, be easy.